Welcome to the KPC Podcast. This week's message is from Dr. Benjamin Williams. Greetings to all of you who are here helping out to make this live stream possible. Greetings to you at home who are watching. Greetings to those who will be watching this later through the website, through the uh, sermon archives. And may God bless you as we study God's word today. I want to share today some thoughts in a sermon called Memory Lane. Memory Lane. I sort through the refrigerator and I look through the pantry noting everything that I'm out of. You know, milk, eggs, margarine, uh, fresh salad, uh, sugar, grits, dog food again. Uh, let's see, what about toilet paper? Oh, can't get that now. <laughs> I write it all down. I glance at the clock. I don't have much time. I've got to run. I, I'm going to get my errands done. I just have to hurry. So I throw on my jacket. I check the doors. I rush to the car and off to the grocery store. And I'm getting there, rolling down the, my cart down the aisle. I'm thinking, now, where is that grocery list? I forget lots of things. I'm good at it. I might be the only person who can stroll down memory lane and get lost. Bad memory, bad memory. Just look at the Hebrews in the wilderness. You know the story. You can't help but notice a pattern. The writer of the book of Numbers saw it. So did some of the psalmists. So if you'll turn with me, please, to Psalm 106. We'll read the verses 6 through 33 and then jump to 44 through 45. Psalm 106. Both we and our ancestors have sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. Our ancestors, when they were in Egypt, did not consider your wonderful works. They did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled against the Most High at the Red Sea. Yet, he saved them for his name's sake, so that he might make known his mighty power. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it became dry. He led them through the deep, as through a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe and delivered them from the hand of the enemy. The waters covered their adversaries. Not one of them was left. Then they believed his words. They sang his praise. (laughs) But they soon forgot his works and did not wait for his counsel. They had a wanton craving in the wilderness and put God to the test in the desert. He gave them what they asked, but sent a wasting disease among them. They were jealous of Moses in the camp and of Aaron, the Holy One of the Lord. And the earth opened and swallowed up Dathan and covered the faction of Abiram. Fire also broke out in their company. The flame burned up the wicked. 
They made a calf at Horeb and worshipped a cast image. They exchanged the glory of God for the image of an ox that eats grass. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt, wondrous works in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. Therefore, he said he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to turn away his wrath from destroying them. Then they despised the pleasant land, having no faith in his promise. They grumbled in their tents. They did not obey the voice of the Lord. Therefore he raised his hand and swore to them that he would make them fall in the wilderness and would disperse their descendants among the nations, scattering them over the lands. Then they attached themselves to the Baal of Peor and ate sacrifices offered to the dead. They provoked the Lord to anger with their deeds, and a plague broke out among them. Then Phinehas stood up and interceded, and the plague was stopped. And that has been reckoned to him as righteousness from generation to generation forever. They angered the Lord at the waters of Meribah, and it went ill with Moses on their account, for they made his spirit bitter, and he spoke words that were rash. Nevertheless, the Lord regarded their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant and showed compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. May God bless to us this reading. This is the word of the Lord. Now, did you see the pattern there? Sort of hard to miss. The Hebrews watched God perform wonders in Egypt, watch Egyptians suffer while they themselves are spared But as soon as they're stuck between the Red Sea and the chariots of Pharaoh, they whine how they're all going to die. They watch God part the sea for them and annihilate their enemies. But as soon as they get thirsty, they whine, we're all going to die. They drink the water that God gushes from the rock, but as soon as they get hungry, they whine that they're all going to die. They eat the manna that God sends daily from heaven, but when the trip takes a little bit longer than they wanted, they whine, they're all going to die. God saves them over and over and over, but it seems to leave no lasting impression. And you just have to, to shake your head. Haven't they learned anything? This wasn't lost on the psalmist. If you noted verse 7 and 13 and 21, they did not remember the abundance of your steadfast love, but rebelled against the Most High, he sighs. They soon forgot his works. They forgot God, their Savior, who had done great things in Egypt. Forget. Forget. How could they forget? How can you forget any of that? How could they possibly forget the angel of death, forget the dividing sea waters, forget food and water when they needed them? How could they grumble against Moses when he'd done so much for them? 
How can they turn away from the God of wonders and miracles to run after cheesy idols? How can they forget all those amazing moments of faith? Can't they remember anything? Well, they can't remember. It's a brain problem. It's a brain problem. Let me remind you a little bit about the three parts of the brain. When we think there are three active centers that determine our, what we decide and what we do, how we respond to things. The bottom of the brain, underneath, manages fear and anger, pain, self-preservation. The back of the brain manages Oh, family, friendship, playfulness, emotion, belonging, loyalty. And then the front of the brain, that's the distinctly human part, manages logical thinking and problem solving. Now, when you're stressed, the blood flow increases, first of all, to the back of the brain. You focus on protecting your group, protecting your family, keeping them safe, watching out for your friends, watching out for your church, your, what I call your pack, your human pack. That's the first step. But then, when you get really, really stressed, the blood flow shifts down to the bottom, the underside of the brain, and you just want to fight or run away to save your own skin, every man for himself. Now, in order to push more blood to the back of the brain or to the bottom of the brain, the blood vessels to the neocortex have to constrict which cuts off blood to the front of the brain. And it makes it harder and harder to be reasonable, to be logical, to be creative. And that frontal lobe shuts down. You can't be creative. You can't be reasonable. You're simply reacting. And the problem is the memory is located in the front of the brain. And that's part of what shuts down when you get anxious in a crisis. Under serious duress, you can't remember anything. If I get in too big a hurry to go do my grocery shopping, I simply cannot remember to bring my grocery list, nor can I remember what was on it. Crank up the stress high enough, you can't even remember your own name. Now, when the Hebrews get stressed by the Egyptian chariots, they cannot remember what God did for them in Egypt. When they get stressed over hunger or thirst, they cannot remember how God saved them at the Red Sea. Each time, their primal 
animal instincts kick in while the human part of the brain in the front shuts down. They're so caught up in fear or anger or whatever that they can't remember anything. They cannot remember the abundance of God's steadfast love, and so they forget his works. Fear makes them forget God their Savior who had done great things. Anytime, anytime you get stressed, you are going to forget everything important. If church people get stressed, say you lose your leadership, you're losing members, you're caught up in a church fight, or the church can't meet as usual. Folks lose their memories. Everybody might tell you how wonderful things used to be, but they can't fill in the details. They might idealize the past, but they don't really remember it. The bad stuff, we don't really recall that accurately either. And we especially don't remember how God has brought us through even worse crises in the past. It's all lost in that emotional fog down at the bottom of the brain. Now, we're told by our media that we are in a desperate global health crisis. That's true, and it's not true. We're not in a crisis, not yet. We're trying to forestall what could be. The threat is serious enough to warrant broad precautions, yes. And I expect public health professionals are studying, learning, and practicing what should be done when the big one hits in the future. Still, if you haven't noticed, the media plays heartlessly on our fears to ensure themselves a steady stream of advertising dollars. There are many among us, even believing Christians, who are panic-stricken or obsessed or even paralyzed by fear. They're lost in foggy bottom. Now, if you or your family or your church gets into a panic mode, that irrational, emotional haze that clouds our eyes, what can you do about it? How do you cut through the fog and bring reason and clarity once more? Well, the Bible writers may not have had the benefit of our modern brain scans, but drawing on thousand year, thousands of years of experience and a good shot of inspiration, they knew human nature. The psalmists put their finger not just on the problem, but on its solution. And you read in the Bible, and especially in Psalms, over and over and over again, remember, 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 remember. Turn with me to Psalm 77. Psalm 77, we'll read the verses 1 through 14. The psalmist says, I cry aloud to God, 
aloud to God that he may hear me. In the day of my trouble I seek the Lord. In the night my hand is stretched out without wearying. My soul refuses to be comforted. I think of God and I moan. And I meditate and my spirit faints. You keep my eyelids from closing. I'm so troubled that I cannot speak. I consider the days of old, remember the years of long ago. I commune with my heart in the night. I meditate and search my spirit. Oh, will the Lord spurn forever and never again be be favorable? Has his steadfast love ceased forever? Are his promises at an end for all time? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in anger shut up his compassion? And I say, it's my grief that the right hand of the Most High has changed. I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. Your way, O God, is holy. What God is so great as our God? You are the God who works wonders. You have displayed your might among the peoples. Like this psalmist, when emotions run high and you're swept along by panic or anxiety or anger, when you find yourself questioning God's love or His faithfulness, you can stop in your tracks and make yourself remember. You really can. You cannot force yourself to be creative. You cannot force yourself to think logically. You cannot make yourself be reasonable, but you can make yourself remember. You intentionally pause, you think back, you reflect with determination, I will call to mind the deeds of the Lord. I will remember your wonders of old. I will meditate on all your work and muse on your mighty deeds. You tell your story with God, first to yourself and then to others. You remember and tell your story with God. Now, it might be vague and a little hazy at first, you know, foggy, but doing it on purpose forces your body to to increase the blood flow to your frontal lobe, and gradually it starts coming back. You start remembering things. Everything looks much clearer. Things start falling into perspective. You can almost feel yourself rising above that emotional fog, and soon you discover you can think rationally and reasonably and creatively again, and you can approach your problem once more in faith. You see, God does have even this firmly under control. I remember when God did this and that and this in my life, He has this under control as well. Now, there is a reason, there is a reason that only a couple of hours before he was going to be betrayed and then condemned and crucified, Jesus took the bread and the cup and he gave them to the 
to the disciples, and he instructed them, remember me. He knew what was coming, and he gives them the cup and the bread, and he says, remember me. Guys, they're going to strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Remember me. You will all abandon me. Remember me. You will deny me again and again. Remember me. So in the very throes of turmoil and confusion, in heartbreak and in despair, remember Jesus. Remember Jesus. See, faith draws on memory. I remember what God has done for me, what I'm worth to Him. I remember how God has brought you and me through other crises in the past, and I'm reassured He can do it again in the present. I remember His Word. I remember His promises. In the middle of crisis, it does not come easily. It does not come naturally. I have to make myself pause and remember. But as soon as I do, it all starts coming back, and I can believe again. Now, once your head starts clearing, how do you help everybody else to get out of the emotional fog? Same way the psalmist did. He remembered his story. He wasn't singing his tale because it had a nice melody. Israel had been crushed by Babylon. The people had been carried far away. I would say that was a crisis. My church is burned to the ground, and all the members have been carried off to other countries. I would call that a crisis. Is the covenant canceled and the people of God, do they no longer exist? Yes, I would say that is a crisis. But the psalmist remembers all the times that God was faithful, even when the Hebrews were faithless and forgetful. For their sake, he says, for their sake he remembered his covenant and showed compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. You see, you and I, we might forget, but God always remembers. God made that brain of yours. He knows how it works. In this current crisis situation, he reminds you and me to remember your story with God. Tell your story to somebody else. Invite them to tell their story to you. Urge others to tell their stories to each other. Remember what God has already done in your life. Remember what Christ did and what he gave for you. Find the words to express it. It isn't even that important at first to get it completely right. The details will fall into place later. It's the process of remembering and telling that breaks us free from the trap of fear and emotional mayhem. Who would have thought, who would have thought that the way from foggy bottom to sunny heights is just a short, purposeful stroll up memory lane? Thank you for listening to the KPC Podcast. For more messages and information, visit kpc.org.